Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I don't know about you, but I've really been loving this series on Daniel. And to be honest, I've been amazed by the similarities between the culture that Daniel found himself living in and the culture that we find ourselves living in today. You know, for all of our advancements, you know, medicine, transport, digital, you'd think that things would be different, right? But the reality is, is that our heart and our attitude is much the same as it was in Daniel's time. And so we find ourselves in cultures that are remarkably similar, even though they are remarkably different. I love the fact that we've been talking about how to stand firm and love well. Now, I don't know if this is just me. Maybe it's just a man thing. I find it hard to do two things at once. And so standing firm and loving well, I find myself at times being quite firm. I find myself at times being quite loving. But actually bringing those two together, standing firm and loving well, I do find a bit of a challenge. You know, in part one, Tony talked about how Daniel needed to stand out. He was a young man brought into a different kingdom and he was able to bring God's kingdom culture into the culture that he was living in. And so Daniel needed to stand out. Following that, he stood up. If you remember last week, Pastor Tony talked about the king having a dream and Daniel coming and interpreting that dream for him, but it wasn't a nice interpretation of that dream. And so Daniel had to stand up and say, hey, king, here's the interpretation of your dream. I'm sorry, I wish it was different. It's not, but this is what it is. And so Daniel was able to stand out and then stand up. And today we're going to talk about how Daniel stood strong. Because once you stand out and once you stand up, then we need to stand strong. And we're going to look at how Daniel was able to do that and some keys that we can apply today. Today we're going to do it from Daniel 6, which is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Now, it's a very well-known piece of scripture. For people who grew up in church, this was one of the standards of Sunday school. This was one of the standards of kids' ministry. You know, you'd go in there and you'd hear all about Noah and the flood. Or you'd go in there and hear about Father Abraham and his many sons. Because many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. And for having that song in your head for the rest of the day, you are welcome. (laughs) You can stand at the sink this afternoon and do the dishes and you can put your right hand in. You can put your right hand out. But Daniel in the lion's den is one of those stories that we were always told in kids' church. And yet it's not a children's story. There's so much to what Daniel did 
and what Daniel endured through this chapter that we can learn from and apply today. So let's have a look. We'll start in Daniel 6 and we'll start with chapter, sorry, verse 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers, because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Let's talk a little bit of background here, because at the moment we're talking about King Darius. But last week we were talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. See, Daniel actually found himself under the rule of four different leaders in his lifetime. And King Darius is actually the third of those leaders. Daniel is no longer the younger man that we so often depict. If you have a look at the screen, all those lions just waiting and Daniel there, Bible scholars would say that by this stage, Daniel was about 82 years of age when he was in the lion's den. Any octogenarians here? today. Anyone in their 80s? See, when you think about it, we often think about Daniel as the younger person in the lion's den, but Daniel was much older. He'd actually been walking with God for a long period of time. And so he's not often what we depict. King Darius, he was known as an administrative genius. The very first reference we had for him in scripture, he becomes king and then he reorganizes the entire kingdom. He becomes king, he's at the top. And then he gets out his organizational chart and he has three administrators of which Daniel was one. And then under that, there are 120 high officials. So each administrator is overseeing about 40 of these high officials. So he's just come in and he's made these great changes amongst the kingdom. Now, this is different to what we experience nowadays when we have a change of government. When we have a change of government, all the departments change their name. We spend thousands of dollars changing letterhead without any actual real change that often comes within those departments. Each of these administrators were there to protect the king's interests. They were there to prevent rebellion. They were there to deal with the taxes of their areas and with national finance. So Daniel was quite high up when we talk about the running of his kingdom. But more than that, King Darius had further plans for Daniel. You see, he wanted to restructure again because he wanted it to be the king and then Daniel, then the administrators, then the high officials. So the king had plans. Let's read on in Daniel's story. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. 
but they couldn't find anything to criticise or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Through no fault of his own, Daniel finds himself under attack. The other two administrators could see that Daniel was doing a better job. They had a choice. They could have gone to Daniel and said, hey, how are you doing this? How can we become better in serving the king? But no. The two of them got together and went, cool, Daniel's doing better than us, so we need to get rid of him. Right now in scripture, we have the very first instance of tall poppy syndrome. Daniel had grown above them through their jealousy, through their insecurity, through their fear. We need to take him out. Because Daniel was making them look bad. Not because of what Daniel was doing, but because of what they weren't. And right now, I can see one of the things that Daniel was able to stand strong on in his culture that is speaking to us today, and that is that Daniel stood strong on his convictions. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read about Daniel and how he's described, I would love to be described like that. I would love to be described as a person who was faithful. Always responsible, completely trustworthy, great ability, giving his best with nothing to criticise or condemn. I, I want that. I want to be the man of integrity that Daniel was showing himself to be. You see, Daniel was smack bang in the will of God and yet experiencing opposition. Just because you're experiencing opposition does not mean you're not in the will of God. Opposition is just something that's going to come. It's part of life. And often it's the opposition that comes that helps us to grow. When you find yourself under attack or in an uncomfortable circumstance, hold on to your convictions because they will help you stay grounded. What are you convinced of today? Are you convinced that God loves you? If you're convinced that God loves you, don't let what anyone else says rob you of that conviction. Do you believe that God is good? Because if God is good, don't let bad circumstances that you're facing right now rob you of that conviction. If you believe that God is for you, don't let the circumstances rob you. If you believe God can heal, don't let today's sickness stop you from trusting in God. If you're convinced that God has a great plan for your life, don't let today's setback derail your future. You see, personally, I have a conviction that the local church is God's answer for this hurting world. 
I have a conviction that God places us in family so that we can make an impact into our community, shining light and hope. Now, you're probably sitting there today and saying, well, yes, you have to have that conviction. You're a pastor. And if you don't have that conviction, it's not going to work. I'd actually say it's, it's a bit the opposite. This is actually a conviction that I had from a young age. And it's this conviction that's actually helped me become a pastor, not a conviction that I have because I'm a pastor. You see, this conviction gets outworked in our local church because we've always wanted to be contributors, not just consumers. You see, you truly only have a conviction once it's been tested. And every conviction you have will be tested. You see, this conviction that we have about the local church got tested early on in Kathy and I married life. Because friends would invite us out to parties on Saturday nights. And if we stayed out too late, we knew that that would affect what we were doing in church the next day. It created issues at times within our families because family would put on an event expecting everyone to come and we would say, hey, you're doing this on a Sunday. We would love to, but our conviction is that we need to be in church. It gets tested every time our budget gets tight. Are you going to continue with the conviction of generosity that you have? Or are you going to let it slide? It gets tested every time God calls us to step up. Most of us would know what 2016 looked like for us as a church. What you may not know is what it looked like for me personally. See, in 2016, in January, our youth pastor, who was one of our key preachers, passed away. In May, on the 29th, Friday the 29th, that's a very specific date, Ashley. Yes, it is. On Friday the 29th, our senior pastor, Tony, was taken to hospital with a mystery illness. Kath was with him in hospital. And on Saturday the 30th of May, at one o'clock in the afternoon, I got a phone call from Andre asking slash telling me that we had no preacher for our chapel service the next day. Now, I've got to tell you, I'd never considered preaching. I didn't want to preach. I was happy not preaching. And everything in me wanted to go, no! Find someone else. Get someone who's actually good. That would be a good start. How about even get someone who's done it before? That might help. And I felt God very clearly say to me, but didn't you say you would do anything that would further the local church? Yes, God, that's what I said. But, but, but Ashley, isn't preaching anything? Yes, God, it's, it's, it's in the anything category. So will you do it? 
Yes. You see, it's the conviction that I had that made me say yes. It wasn't the desire that I had. It wasn't that I was wonderful. It's the conviction that I stood on that made the answer come. Now, I wish I could say that off the back of that yes, my message was just downloaded from heaven and it was amazing. It wasn't. In fact, on that Sunday morning at six o'clock, I found myself lying in the bottom of our shower, crying. God, don't let me suck. Oh God, whatever happens, just don't let me suck. That preacher's never seen the light of day since. And what I can say is, is that whatever happened, it got done. But it got done based on a conviction that I would always do what I could to further the local church. 2016, with everything that the church faced, was actually a hard year for me personally. Not just because of what we were facing, Not just because that Tony was in hospital for three weeks and nearly died. Not because of the subsequent surgery. But the wrestle in me to stand strong on a conviction that I'd made. And to develop a gift that God put there in the first place that I didn't know about. Will you stand strong on your convictions? You see, the thing that I learnt, if you don't live out of conviction, you will live out of convenience. And nothing great is built on convenience. If you want to build great relationships, it will be inconvenient, but you do it based on your conviction. If you want a great marriage, it's done on conviction, not convenience. If you want a great church... It's done on conviction, not on convenience. God doesn't call us to a life of convenience. He calls us to a life of purpose. And just like Daniel was able to stand strong on his convictions within his culture, we're called to do the same. Let's stand strong on our convictions within the culture that we find ourselves. Let's stand strong and not allow circumstances to dictate to our convictions. Let our convictions dictate to our circumstance. Coming back to Daniel's story. The two administrators knew that they had to set a trap for Daniel. They knew that it had to involve his religion. They knew his devotion to prayer and they tried to use it against him. The two administrators went to King Darius and effectively they butted him up. King Darius, you're looking real good today. King Darius, it is so amazing to be under your rulership. King Darius, you are so awesome. In fact, I think you are so awesome that for the next 30 days... No one should be able to pray to any God or anything except you because you are that good. And King Darius said, 
yes, I am. And so let's pass a decree that anyone praying to anyone other than me gets chucked into a lion's den. How did Daniel respond when he heard that decree? In verse 10, it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. You see, Daniel not only stood strong in his convictions, but he stood strong in his disciplines as well. When Daniel heard the bad news, what did he do? His usual. As I said before, Daniel was about 82 years of age by this time. He had had 82 years of walking with God. He'd already decided years ago that he needed to pray. It was a discipline in his life. And so when the rule got passed, the law got passed, he still did what he always had done before. Now, he didn't do it because he didn't have other options. He's 82 years old. Now, one thing I love about 82-year-old people or 80-year-old people, maybe even 70-year-old people, is that they do what they want. They're happy to tell you what they're doing, and they'll do it. Daniel could have at this point gone, I'm 82 years of age. I've been praying three times a day for so long. God and I, we're good. We're tight. It's only one month. How about for one month, I just don't pray? And I would go, you know what, Daniel? Under your circumstances, I can see that. See, Daniel had options. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to pray, but... I'm going to pray in my head. It's still prayer, right? I can still do it three times a day. What I can do is I can just stand there and pray. And if someone comes up and says, are you praying? No, I'm contemplating. <laughs> Can't you see that cloud? It's amazing. See, Daniel had options. And yet he chose not to use either of them. Why? Why would you do that? Because Daniel knew that both of those other options represented one thing, compromise. And Daniel wasn't going to compromise his disciplines based on a law. Now you may be thinking, hey, what's the big deal? He's still saved. It could still work. It's just a month. It would be okay. You know what? I think the same thing, and we rationalise it all the time. I think if it was me, I'd probably pray in my head because that's just a logical thing to do. But I think that if Daniel was here today, he would say that there are two reasons why he couldn't do that. 
The first reason would be that kneeling to pray gave Daniel the strength to stand. You see, Daniel knew that he needed to pray. He was brought up from a young age in the kingdom of God. He was a high official. He knew that he needed God's wisdom. He needed God's help to be able to run the kingdom. He needed God's help to be able to run his life. And it was actually the prayer, the relationship with God that gave him the strength to stand. We actually have access to the greatest power and resource in the whole universe. And yet you've got to ask, how often do we actually utilize that? In Hebrews 4 verse 16, it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What gave Daniel the strength to stand? This. He knew that by coming into the presence of God, by getting the download from heaven, by kneeling to pray, he would have the strength to stand. You see, prayer for Daniel wasn't a last resort. It was always the first place that he ran to. In all circumstances, prayer is both the most important and the most powerful thing that we can do. I think the second thing that Daniel would say was that you actually are your disciplines. You see, Daniel was known as a man of prayer. The two other administrators knew that this setup would work. How did they know it would work? Because prayer was who Daniel was. It wasn't something that he did. And so the two administrators were able to put a plan in place tricking the king because of Daniel's discipline. You see, it is possible. Well, our disciplines will always come from our convictions. But it is possible to have convictions without disciplines. Think about that for a moment. Let me say I, can't, I was here and I said, okay, I'm going to lose some weight. Conviction. But if I don't do anything about it, it doesn't become a discipline. So you see, the difference to getting from a conviction to a discipline is action. I can't have a discipline without a conviction. If I'm convicted about prayer, then the discipline of prayer should follow. Make sense? Our disciplines are the measuring stick of our convictions. You see, I said earlier that I've got a conviction that we would do all we can to build the local church. But it's more than a conviction, it's a discipline. You can look at my life and you can look at the way that I allocate my time. And it's a discipline, not only a conviction. You can look at the way that I allocate my finance. And you can go, ah, oh, from that discipline, I can see a conviction. It shows in the way we parent. From that discipline of parenting, you can see my conviction about the local church. See, the problem is, is that when we have convictions... Without disciplines, we have belief without 
behavior. We have talk without action. And when we have that, we have hypocrisy. Our convictions need actions to turn them into disciplines. And so Daniel was able to stand strong in his culture because he lived out his convictions. He stood strong on his disciplines and we need to do the same. Coming back to Daniel's story, the two administrators, the law has been passed. They saw Daniel praying and went and dobbed on him to the king. Scripture says the king was distraught. The king loved Daniel. And to be honest with you, what's there not to love? Daniel was faithful, good at what he did, without reproach. The king loved Daniel. And yet he'd also passed this law and he didn't know what to do. And he procrastinated and he waited and in the end had no choice. And so he needed to follow through on the law that Daniel needed to go into the lion's den. The king came out, they threw Daniel in, they put the the stone over, they sealed it. An official seal was put on the stone. And then scripture says that the king went back to his palace and fasted. The king refused his usual entertainment and the king didn't sleep. I'm sure that the other two administrators, they were partying. Our plan has worked. We got rid of Daniel. It's party time. We pick up the story in verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, Was your God, whom you served so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God has sent angels to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. The final point that we see Daniel standing strong is in his trust. We all love this part of the story, right? This is the part of the story where God's come through, it's miraculous, it's amazing, woohoo! We all love this part of the story, but think about what it was like for Daniel. You see, the lions were real lions. They weren't just pussycats in there, right? Daniel's being thrown into a den. There's anxiety, there's fear, there's hope. Oh, my God can. Oh, but what if? Oh, but my God can. Oh, but imagine what it was like for Daniel at that time and what he had to deal with, the roller coaster of emotions that would have been there. You know, I don't know what you're facing this morning and maybe you feel the same as Daniel. I've done everything right. 
I've done all that I could, but I still find myself in this lion's den. What do you do? You see, at times like this, there's always lots of questions. Why me? Why do I have to do that? Why are bad things happening to me? I'm a good person. Why, God? What else do I have to do? Daniel's response to all of these questions isn't a direct answer, but it's trust God. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're feeling today, trust God. Scripture says it's because of his trust in God that not a scratch was found on him. When you live God's way, you can always trust him with the results. When you live God's way, you can always trust him with the results. If I'm honest with you, this is the bit that I find hardest. It's not that I don't trust God. I know God's amazing. I know God's all-powerful. It's not that I don't trust him. It's just that I keep trying myself. You see, I find when I get into these situations where you know, all these things are coming against me, I keep trying to find another solution. I keep trying to find another angle. I keep trying to find, well, what if? How can? What if? Can I do this? Will something else happen? There's a time where we need to stop and let God. We can say, you know what, God, I've done all I can do. The results are in your hand. Now, for me, it's a question of control. I'm trying to control an outcome, but I don't have any control over the outcome. I need to give up control and let God step in for me. But we always come back to the same question. What, what happens if God doesn't come through for me like he came through for Daniel? What happens if I don't get saved? There are two scriptures that are my go-to when I feel like this. The first one is Romans 8.28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. God, I can't control the outcome. I don't know what I'm doing, but whatever happens from here, God, I trust that you will make it for my good. The second verse for me that it's a go-to, Philippians 1.21. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. What helps anchor me? What helps me keep my trust in God? God's got everything in his hand. God's got everything in his control. And regardless of what happens, he will turn it for my good if I trust him. But even if he decides that my time here is done, 
I get to go home with Jesus himself. I get to go home and live in the presence of God forever because dying is gain. Even though these scriptures were written some 500 years after Daniel, I'm sure that Daniel would say the same thing. I've walked with God. I know my God. I can trust my God with everything. And even if it doesn't work out the way I hope, I still get to be with Jesus forever. Daniel was able to stand strong in the face of death in the lion's den because of his trust in God, both for this life and the next. In conclusion, and as the band comes, Daniel found himself in a society that was hostile towards his faith. He faced laws that violated his faith. And he faced serious consequences for not complying with those laws. Sound familiar? And yet Daniel was able to stand strong in his culture because he stood strong in his convictions, strong in his disciplines, and strong in his trust. And church, that's our prayer for you too, that we'll stand strong in our convictions, strong in our disciplines, and strong in our trust. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 